0: This is the Fair Mormon Podcast. We are a group of dedicated volunteers who earnestly strive to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ and His Church. Our mission is to offer kind, patient, and sincere answers to issues regarding faith, church history, and understanding of gospel principles. Fair Mormon, the sponsor of this work, also holds an annual conference with speakers from many professional backgrounds. Regarding these topics, this year's conference is located in Provo, Utah, on the 7th and the 8th of August. Tickets can be purchased on our main website at fairmormon.org. We would welcome your attendance. Thanks for listening. And now, Challenging Issues, Keeping the Faith, by Michael R. Ash. This is Fair Issues on the Mormon Faircast. This week's article is entitled Keeping the Faith, the Book of Mormon Evidences Today by Michael R. Ash Read by Ned Skarsbrick This and other articles by Michael Ash can be found at deseretnews.com This article was used by permission of the author and the Deseret News. When Nephi slew Laban, In order to obtain the plates of brass, Nephi used Laban's own sword made of precious steel. 1 Nephi 4, verse 9 James H. Hunt, a critic writing in 1844, listed steel as one proof that the Book of Mormon was fraudulent. Hunt, who lived in about the same time and general vicinity as Joseph Smith, and would have likely had access to the same resources, Claim that steel was unknown in Nephi's day and wasn't invented for several hundred years later. Mormonism, Embracing the Origin, Rise and Progress of the Sect, page 22. Even as late as 1920, some critics were claiming that Joseph Smith got it wrong and that steel was unknown in Nephi's day. Stuart Martin, The Mystery of Mormonism, page 44. Steel is an alloy, typically comprised of iron and traces of carbon, hardened by a process of heating and quenching. LDS apologist Jeff Lindsay demonstrates that, according to non-LDS scholars, the deliberate stealing of iron was well known in the Near Eastern world centuries before Nephi was even born. Recent discoveries, for example, include a 12th century BC carbonized knife that shows evidence of quenching. An iron pick, likely dated to the same period, was discovered in northern Israel and has a hardness value characteristic with modern hardened steel. Non-LDS archaeologist Amia Masar claims that this pick is the earliest known iron implement made of steel produced by carbonizing, quenching, and tempering. Archaeology in the Land of the Bible, page 361. Other non-LDS scholars agree that blacksmiths in the Mediterranean had mastered the process of quenching iron into weapons long before Nephi was born. Steel was likely an uncommon metal in Nephi's world, which is probably why Nephi referred to Laban's sword as most Precious steel. But archaeology shows that it was not unknown. As we continue our story about the Lehites, we read that after returning to the Valley of Lemuel, Lehi's sons were directed back to Jerusalem to get Ishmael and his family. Eventually, Ishmael's daughters married Lehi's sons, and it's possible that Lehi's daughters married Ishmael's sons. While living in the valley, Lehi had a dream or a vision. In the vision, a man dressed in a white robe led Lehi to a dreary waste. After traveling for what seemed like several hours in darkness, he came to a large field where he saw a tree bearing an exceedingly white fruit that was delicious to the soul. Lehi called to his family to come and partake as well. Sarah, Sam, and Nephi but Laman and Lemuel would not. Lehi saw a rod of iron extending along the bank of a river leading to the tree of life. A straight and narrow path ran alongside this iron rod and also to the tree. Scores of people were pressing forward toward the path, but many became lost in a mist of darkness. Some of the people grabbed hold of the rod of iron and hung through the darkness until they reached the tree. On the other side of the river stood a large building filled with well-dressed people, mocking those who partook of the fruit on the tree. Some of those who had partaken of the fruit became ashamed and deserted the tree for the building. Some drowned in the river. Others became hopelessly lost, and still others joined the people in the building mocking those who ate of the fruit of the tree. See 1 Nephi chapter 8. In 2001, at the annual Fair Apologetics Conference, Dr. S. Kent Brown presented a paper on Lehi's trek through the Arabian Desert. Among the many interesting insights in Dr. Brown's paper, some of which will be discussed in future installments, are parallels between what Lehi saw in his dream and the actual ancient Arabian landscape. As a side note, in a few weeks... I'll spend at least one installment discussing the strengths and weaknesses of parallels. In his presentation, Dr. Brown explained that while Lehi lived in a hot and a dry desert, some dwellers on the Arabian Peninsula built water systems to catch and dam mountain runoffs. This water was used to irrigate strips of oasis in the middle of the sandy surroundings. This appears to be what Lehi was seeing in his vision. Brown also notes that in Lehi's dream, the patriarch appears to be traveling on a night which would probably have seemed unusual in Joseph Smith's world. In Lehi's world, however, people often traveled by the light of the moon, or starlight reflected from the sand, to avoid the heat of the desert. While these details may seem minor, they are the kinds of indicators that are consistent with what we know from the ancient Near East during the Book of Mormon times. If you like this podcast, you can help promote it by subscribing to it on iTunes or by rating it and writing a review. Post a link on your blog and Facebook page and tell your friends about us. Questions or comments about this episode can be sent to podcast at fairlds.org or join the conversation at fairblog.org. Michael Ash is the author of the book Shaken Faith Syndrome, Strengthening One's Testimony in the Face of Criticism and Doubt, as well as the book Of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Both books are available for purchase online through the Fair Bookstore. Music for this episode was provided courtesy of Lawrence Green. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or that of Fair Mormon.